It's time for Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here is your host, the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. And we want to welcome you guys to Wolo and Friends as our great Dave Wolotion is getting himself together. We want to welcome him back to the show. I feel like I feel like he, he forgot what to do today this morning. But Dave, what's going on with you, man? Well, I, I get long, uh, gone so long I didn't know how to put my headsets on correctly. <laughs> uh, no, it's really, really good to be back. Thank you, Zach. Zach Boyd. Filling in for J-Mo, uh, who we understand his father is yes. under the weather. We only are sending our best to John Harder and crew. Um, good man. So thoughts and prayers to him and to his entire family. Wow. Uh, I got back. Of course, I took this trip to Mexico City. I have a cousin who happens to be the lead guitarist for the unbelievable performer, first time I've ever seen him, Michael Buble. Now, you that's probably not your cup of tea, Zach. I know who Buble is. You do? Yeah. I so, love his Christmas time albums. Like, oh, there, there nice. you go. It's nice. He's, he's incredible. He's like an old time. He's a Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin kind of a guy. But, I mean, he works the crowd. And I saw him in a little town about two hours away from Mexico City, which is a beautiful town, by the way, called Puebla. And um, they have this arena. He, he plays like Staples Center, FedEx Forum. It's the kind of arenas he's playing. He played in this 20,000-seat barn with very little infrastructure to get in and out of. Uh, but it was it was glorious. And then we came home after, I guess, nine days in Mexico, um, doing a lot of walking and seeing a lot of museums. And uh, it, it was educational. It was terrific. Got a little bit of Montezuma's Revenge. If you don't know what that is, it's basically the runs. <clears throat> a lot of people are going to get it just because you have to be careful with the water and everything else. But uh, a, a great experience. Got back in time last night to be part of the MC team with Jeff Hawkins and Jarvis Greer for the newest class of the Memphis Hall of Fame. I'll get into that. And I'm back just in time before what I think will be locally the biggest college football game since SMU and game day being here. I, I know a lot of people are saying this is the biggest game in the Ryan Silverfield era. Obviously, the, the most watched game would have been the Cotton Bowl. And um, he's had other games that were important to get into bowls. He's won bowl games. Those were big games. But uh, if there's been a knock, it has been got to compete for conference championships. I, I think that's a fair assessment of what folks may have doubts with Ryan. And so this is the biggest game for that reason. This, this is a game where if you win, you're probably in the driver's seat to get to the conference championship game. If you lose it, you still, if you win out and you'll be favored in every game, you still can get to the conference championship game. And probably still have a chance for the New Year's Day Six Bowl slot. This, the winning here, 
would really give you that chance because your only loss would be to a very good Missouri team on the road, right? I think everybody saw what the LSU game, even though LSU came back on great performance by Jaden Daniels, but LSU came back and won the game over Missouri. But still, I think people now realize Missouri's a really good football team, and for Memphis to have competed on the road in that in that atmosphere, uh, that that was pretty darn impressive. So if they were to win this one, probably a lock for the championship game. If you lose, you're not done for that spot, but this would really give you the driver's seat. And so it is the biggest game for a Memphis team and the biggest college football game, I think, in Memphis since the SMU game that got you to the Cotton Bowl and game day was here. That, that is, in my, uh, from my point of view, the, the impact and the perspective of this game. Yeah, and I think also it like having having a good showing and not in addition to the win, but having a good showing also puts the ease into the decision makers' hands as well. Cause then at that point they can look at it and say, Oh, well, Tulane is supposed to be supposed to be a really good G five school coming into this year and this in Memphis, which is right underneath them, came in and showed like, Yeah, no, like we're we're just as good, if not better than they are in our matchup. So yeah, having a somewhat of a dominant performance against this Tulane team this Friday could prove that hey, like we we're we're better than what you what what you have us slated to be. Um, you know, and and I I really think um, you 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 look over everything. There's a guy that writes for the Athletic. I think his name is Chris. Uh, Chris Vanini. Vanini, thank you. Yeah, Chris Vanini does the thing on the Group of Five. Does a good job with it. I mean, that's his his gig, and he does a poll of the top G five schools. Right. So he's got Tulane at number two. He's got Memphis like five or six or seven. I can't remember which, but it's down. Obviously, a win over Tulane would 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 up there. He's actually got Wyoming number one. Fresno State's in that first four. Yeah. Um, I, I would say they're going to come out. They they did lose this past weekend, correct? If I if I Fresno re, if State, I, yeah. I think that uh, I, they were losing most most of the way. Um, I should double check that, but um, I'm I'm pretty sure they're going to drop down. Uh, but but now you got to worry about Wyoming for sure in that Mountain West. I think I think whatever happens here, there's there's a team in the MAC or two that might, if they were to go undefeated, uh, have a shot. But right now, I think either the Mountain West or the AAC is going to have the representative in that New Year's Day Bowl. Yeah, so they uh, Fresno State did lose to yeah, Wyoming. that's what I thought. So Wyoming is going to keep that number one spot. They're the team that has to lose. Boise's going to play them. And, and Boise had a great comeback. That helped Memphis a little bit. Uh, so you're putting yourself in an unbelievable position to... Get into the New Year's Day Six and win that conference championship that was accomplished under Mike Norvell. Yeah. That Memphis has not competed for in the Ryan Silverfield era. Um, I, I've got to talk about this because it was really beautiful last night, and I got to give a tip of my cap to Kevin Kane, who just—I I don't think we realize. What an ambassador role this guy is for the city of Memphis. He's he's amazing to me. But he, J.J. Greer, and Katie Ligon, all with the Memphis Sports Council, just do an amazing first-class job of putting on the Hall of Fame. So I rushed from the airport to the ceremonies last night, and as I said, myself and Jarvis and Jeff Calkins were the three MCs to honor Allie Prescott, El Marone, UB Brown, Jack Eaton, Richard Mulrooney, Sheila Eccles Gross, Tamika Whitmore, Marion Brewer, the coach from Northside, Sharon Watson, the very first inductee into the Memphis Sports Hall of Fame involving volleyball. She was an unbelievable volleyball coach at Christian Brother at uh, Briarcrest. Um, Phil Clark who was a winner everywhere he went, whether it was Skyview or Germantown or Bartlett. And then there was Sylvester Ford, who was Mr. Fairley. Marion Brewer, by the way, took 
teams from Northside that were just terrible before he got there, basketball teams. And with guys like Doom Haynes and a bunch of others, they just became a terror. And I, I, I forget how many he said, but they, they, they won many conference or, or uh, conference titles, but got to the state titles in the tournament many, many times uh, in, in his, uh, his time there. Ali Prescott just talked about how important it was for him to be in the Memphis Sports Hall of Fame because he was born in Memphis. He played for the University of Memphis. You realize this guy, and I love Allie, he's been general manager, pitcher. He was a lawyer. He was the director of the Park Commission, and he was an SEC ref who did NCAA tournament games. Reft in the SEC. I mean, it's just unbelievable and honored, rightfully so, but so proud that it was the Memphis Sports Hall of Fame. And this is, I think, just such a classy thing to be in. There's, there's no doubt. Um, uh, it was interesting and, and fun to hear uh, Elmer Rohn's Acceptor, who came on and talked about what a pioneer El Marone was. I mean, she built absolutely from scratch the athletic department for women at the University of Memphis. She first joined the AIAW, made the transition to the NCAA. And this was a sharp lady who was also a great athlete, and she was playing golf into her 90s. She played, played on, by the way, softball teams that were national championship teams in the amateur level. She was... Pretty amazing. UB Brown gave the most eloquent videotaped accepted speech. The thing that I most was amazed at was his recall of that. I mean, off the cuff. I I don't think he went back and looked in notes. His recall of that team, of the personnel, of the situations, how they grew the team, where they won, where they lost – I mean, if he does that with every game, you know, he's 89 now and he just signed a new deal with ESPN, but he couldn't be here. He's got a back problem. I hope he's okay. But his recall, it's incredible. Like, he remembers every moment of every game. Now, that's that's amazing. Um, And then Lionel Hollins came up to sort of accept it as well. And he talked about how one of the lessons that he learned was because he – Loved Yubi like everybody else did. He couldn't be Yubi because there's an aura about Yubi that is unique. I, I got to tell you, there's an aura about Lionel that is unique as well. Then Jack Eaton and his daughter came up, and I'm, I'll, I'll be honest with you, uh, I never met his daughter. But she had the sort of short speech, but very well phrased and very much like Jack would have. So I think he would have been very, very proud, and I know – uh, there were a lot of people. Dave Brown came. Uh, of course, he worked with Jack Eaton for many, many years. Billy Woods, who's the writer for the paper in West Memphis, was. He's retired. Um, great friend of Jack Eaton's son, who unfortunately has passed away, Todd Eaton. Then Richard Mulrooney came up. This is the fourth Hall of Fame for Richard Mulrooney. Fourth. Think about that. That's incredible. He said, just like Allie, it was the most important one because he's from Memphis. This was a guy, you know, played at Christian Brothers, was an All-American, then went to Creighton. If you ever go to Creighton and you go to the stadium, his picture all over the place in Omaha, Nebraska, because he was an All-American for Creighton and he's been the coach of the U of M for nine years after a 12-year pro career that was way up there in the MLS. Sheila Eccles Gross. How about this for a fact? Sheila went to Melrose. She got cut from her first, like her seventh or eighth grade track team didn't make it. That really drove her. She ended up being a sprinter, won a gold medal at the Olympics as part of a relay. But she was a long jumper as well at LSU. She's got a record in the long jump over 22 feet. Okay, Zach, that record is still intact today. It hasn't been broken in 36 years. That's wow. incredible. You would you would have loved she she was. She was really cool. And basically, it all came back to this. She got cut, and that drove her. And then it drove her the rest of her life. It's a, it's a great story. And then there was Tamika Whitmore, who uh, I, I remember when Joy Lee McNellis was coaching at the U of M. 
And there was such joy in Joy's eyes when she was telling me about, I just signed this young lady named Tamika Whitmore. She's unstoppable. And she was unstoppable. You know, one year she averaged 26.3 points per game. That led not just the team, not just the conference. That led the country in scoring. And then she had a 12-year pro career, was an all-star uh, played for Team USA. What a great career. All of the speeches they gave were eloquent. It was all so important to them to be included in a Hall of Fame that bears the name Memphis. And just another beautiful, beautiful evening. And you got to thank the Memphis Sports Council for that. I'm sitting in the family leisure studios and you know the world's biggest spa sale still going on bigger and better than ever before with 50 different models to choose from, five different manufacturers still going on. I know through the end of this month they are always figuring something out but you're not going to get a better deal on a spa than you will right now at I-40 and Widden Road. Our title sponsor is Homer, Homer Skelton Hyundai in Olive Branch Drive there just down Highway 78 Lamar. First exit, Mississippi's Craft Road, turn left. By the way, they've done a lot of work there now. It's very clean. You can get right to it. And if you make that left turn on Craft Road and you go see Chris True, you'll see lots of automobiles, lots of potential with pre-owned cars. They're back to pre-COVID stockpiles. Yes, Plenty of cars, plenty of Hyundais, and the best crew and the best customer retention because they make the experience of buying so good. All you got to do is get there. Homer Skelton Hyundai in Olive Branch. Steve Earhart comes to us from afar. A man who's a team player. He joins this thing from Colorado. You missed the Hall of Fame. What a night you missed. You're a member of that Hall of Fame. And and I know that must make you feel, I'm trying my best to make you feel very guilty. <laughs> well, David, and thank you for kind of recounting that. And you've been a great, uh, you know, voice for the Hall of Fame. And, you know, I'm obviously proud to be be a member. I'm sorry I missed it. I had a, a year planned uh reunion of our old college football team so i'm out here in colorado and sorry to miss it but congratulations to all those uh, great additions to the memphis uh, hall of fame it's a great uh, i hope it goes on for years and years all right well uh, we we've both been away um some news on the ncaa front new portal restrictions which i think are right on new nil guidelines that are not in place yet but are forthcoming what's your take of all of that well, I think just the shortening of the portal, you know, is important, but it's not going to change anything. I mean, I think uh, the banana is already gone, toothpaste is out of the tube, whatever you whatever you want to say. And, uh, you know, in, in talking to so many people around the country, you know, there, there's no question that, uh, you know, things have changed. But one the great thing that sometimes people miss is college football is having a great year. I mean, there's great television ratings, great games great competition it's still the same young student athletes and i'll still call them student athletes uh, some of them maybe are getting paid a lot to play but uh, again that that was something i shouldn't have said you're not being paid to play but they're they're being compensated one way or the other but uh, you know i'm really happy about the season because a lot of the, the naysayers were saying well this is gonna you know ruin college football but you know we've been through a lot and reminiscing i can remember back the years you know 30 years ago when we had a lot of issues in the country and the civil rights movement and everything said, well, college football will, will wither away, but it's certainly, uh, you know, it's certainly doing great. And again, the university of Memphis, what a great ball game coming up here on Friday night, important for the university. And, uh, hopefully a great crowd will be out there at the stadium on Friday night. Let me ask you something as a, as a guy who was an administrator, um, probably should have been an AD <laughs> has been running this bull forever. Uh, if you had a structure, and I'm, I'm I'm putting you on the spot here, but what what kind of guidelines would you give NIL? Would you try to even up the pot? And I'll give you a, a good example. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that the Tigers lost Curtis Givens the third to LSU because, and I don't blame the young man because he was going to get more money from LSU. And I, I, I don't think there's any question about it. I think he was quoted as saying there's more money the SEC schools can package than, say, the University of Memphis or the group of five schools. What kind of guidelines would you give 
colleges on how you can structure NILs? Well, that's that's a tough one. I think if you look back at the history of this, and you know, I'm going to reach back to Mike Slide, and the commissioner, you know, had been commissioner of Conference USA and then the SEC, a very thoughtful guy. And some 10, 10, 15 years ago, he talked about, a, you know, what was coming because coaches' salaries were getting so high and because coaches could leave on a moment's notice. You know, they could leave. In fact, many coaches leave even before the season's over, before a bowl game. We had that situation with, uh, in fact, Tulane, since Tulane's coming in. I remember when Tommy Bowden, uh, you know, uh, Tulane was yeah. undefeated and uh, he, he quit and took the job at Clemson right after the season. So, and then of course, Sean King, the great quarterback for Delane, basically he became the coach on the field there here in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl years ago. And so what Mike did is he had said, well, we've got to make some changes here to, you know, ensure that, uh, you know, we have some continuity. And so how, how we should have done that is there should have been a, a loosening of the guidelines of what players could get, whether it was, the terms of loans, the insurance coverages, you know, you know, paying for their parents to be able to come to games and that kind of thing. You know, had that been done some years ago, I don't think we would have this just total explosion and having gone to the Supreme Court when the Supreme Court said, wait a minute, you can't restrict the player from doing what he wants to do, just like an Olympic swimmer can go make money on his own. But what was transpired was that supposedly the idea of NIL, and you've taught me to say it right, was that that was supposed to be what a player would would earn himself from his own name, his own image. Instead, it it changed now to you know like in LSU's case, and I don't know the particulars of Givens, but you know as you said, it, he probably got money to go play there. So the the young man he earned that on his capability as a projected player, but he didn't earn that on his name. And so, how do you change that? I think uh, one thing I would certainly recommend and i think it was a good plan is that this ability to transfer freely i think has hurt a lot of young men as coach silverfield said i think what was 50 percent of the thousands of young student athletes that went into the portal are still out there so they they basically lost their opportunities to get uh, a continuing college education because once they went to the portal and nobody else picked them up you know they couldn't go back so some of them are trying to go back to colleges find a way to pay their own way and that kind of thing. But, you know, the lure of the grass is greener for a, you know, 18 to 22 year old is pretty strong. And then when you've got the family, so I would certainly, the one thing I would recommend is to put in that you, you were not immediately eligible once you'd signed a deal. Now, Mike Leach, he said, we need to have contracts with the, with the players. And then you could trade the players if you wanted to, but the players would know you can't just, take some money, and then leave whenever you're uncomfortable. So maybe the Mike Leach formula is of, of having player contracts that last, whether they last a year or last four years, and there'd be a little more certainty to that young man or young woman. Um, yeah. I, I, I also think people don't realize 50% of those that go in the portal, they didn't really want to go in the portal. That's the way coaches can now say, son, you're not good enough to play here. Go find yourself that's, a new place. Well, that, that's a good point. And so, um, you know, and how do you control And Like right now, Deion Sanders is king of the world out there. You know, I'm out here in Colorado now, and, you know, I'm not sure everything he did was exactly right, you know, but right now he's a hero, and so nobody's going to challenge, no, uh, that's right. you know, him rebuilding a team and say, well, I'm still giving scholarships to the same number of young men, but, uh, you know, but, yeah, what about some of those young men that he said, hey, adios. Um, right, well, right. and they've yeah. waived now the rule that it's got to be a limit of 25 in a class. It's still, you, you can only have 85, but uh, you can definitely wheel and deal. All right, last thing real quick. What are the bowl forecasts for the AutoZone Liberty Bowl? Well, I'm still uh, I'm still hoping for Auburn since we haven't had Auburn for since Bo Jackson's years and, uh, you know, with their – you know, native uh, Memphian coach down down there. Uh, you freeze. You know, that would be great. Yeah. You freeze coming back to, to Memphis. But there's a lot of really good possibilities. All the prognosticators got everything from all the way up and down the SEC to the new teams that are in the uh, the Big 12. And, you know, I don't know, UCF got clocked last week. I, I was kind of hoping maybe Gus Malzahn back matched up against uh, Auburn where there's some bad blood there. 
you know, might have been a good one. But, uh, again, I think we when we saw Kansas play last year in, in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, we saw how good they were going to be, and now they're rolling along again, having a great year this year. So uh, I'm not sure on that side whether it would be one of the older, uh, not older, but the former uh, Big 12 schools versus the four new schools, which BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, or UCF uh, would be a candidate to play on December 29th. And ours, it's a big year for us, our 65th year, the seventh oldest bowl game. And uh, again, we had such great television ratings last year. We're looking for another opportunity to showcase Memphis. And uh, again, I hope that people uh, remember here that the, well, the debate about the stadium, you know, that it's important uh, for the the work to get done on the stadium, the, the fans that are going to be coming out on Friday night to Tulane, uh, uh, there's, there's some it's still great sight lines to watch a ball game, still a, a great venue, but uh, there is important to get some of that work done. So I hope uh, people don't uh, put that aside here when we go into this debate about where the, uh, the state money should be used. Well, I, I got a feeling now that's going to be Paul Young's headache, not Jim Strickland. He got him the money. He's, he's not making the move now, yeah. uh, or so it appears. Thank you. Well, we're welcome. I understand that the mayor, the new mayor, Paul Young will be coming to the game on Friday night, and uh, you know, I'll give him a chance to look at the stadium. And uh, you know, he's been a supporter of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl uh, when he's in his earlier role. So I, I hopefully he'll he'll be taking a good look at that stadium because it sounds like again uh, that now that uh, Mayor Strickland's going to be meeting with Paul Young and that they're going to be trying to work out a plan for that uh, you know that state money. So uh, again. Uh, congratulations, Dave. I know you've worked hard on the, uh, the Sports Hall of Fame. You've been a great MC and a great member of the selection committee. So uh, great job last night. Sorry I wasn't able to make it. We missed you. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. That is Steve Earhart, the big cheese, the head honcho of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, brought to you in part by our friends at Dinstall's and Becky, let me know this morning, apples, caramel apples. Perfect. For tailgating, Tiger Lane, high school games, even in your own home, you can't beat the apples. Now, you've got ways to go with a caramel apple. You've got the traditional, just the apple with the caramel on it. Nobody makes better caramel than Dinstal's. You can go crazy. You can put the pecans on. I tend to like that. That's the combination. Then people go even more nuts. They put the best chocolate in the world on it. That's the turtle apple. You want to try something even wackier? Take Cashew Crunch and put it on there. And by the way, there might be a special on Cashew Crunch coming up over the weekend. I'm not sure about that, but I know it's a distinct signature taste of Dinstal's. Hey, they've been making sweet memories around Memphis for a long, long time, over 100 years, and they're still going strong. All you got to do is get to where they make it on Pleasant View. You can go in my neighborhood to Laurelwood. There's one downtown. There's one in Collierville. There's one in Germantown. There's sweetness everywhere. With Dinstals. Speaking of sweetness, we got Stats Norsworthy. He comes your way in just a minute. Start your day with Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10, right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM, presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Lonely feeling, deep inside, find the corner where I can hide, silent footsteps crowding me. Ah, welcome back in. But I can see. Cruising through a wonderful Wednesday in preparation. I can do the open for Wolo and Friends. For what could be a terrific... <laughs> for what you've been doing it for a week. Thank you for doing that, by Glad the way. I appreciate it so Thanks much. Thanks Got to let everybody, everybody know this portion of the show is brought to you by Grind City Brewing and just what the doctor ordered. Pop these pills. That's the Pilsner. Sometimes you come across a beer so smooth and crushable, it cures what ails you. I know with my shoulder, it would probably help me a whole lot. But there's more. There's the God Hopper, the pale ale that everybody loves from Grind City. The new, it's not so new anymore, the 
amber lager called Thaddeus and the Belgian-style Belga, which is a wheat ale that's kind of like Blue Moon. It's all good stuff. It's all a taste of Memphis. Go visit the brewery. It's beautiful downtown. You can pick up the products there, or you can pick up the Grind City Brewing products anywhere around town like the Spirit Shop. All the places have it. It's a taste of Memphis. It's Grind City Brewing. Taken care of beerness. Welcome in. I'm glad to see you. Um, did you have a fun week doing my show? I did. Had a lot of fun. Love to catch up with a lot of great people. And as I said, Zach Boyd just did a terrific job. Thanks again, Zach. Oh, thank you. Uh, all right. I know you got a bye week, but i got to ask you this first. Open day. No buys. That's a basketball t- bracket term. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not going to debate you on that, but I hear coaches refer to it as the bye week. Well, they're wrong. Okay. I'll I'll let them know you say it. Please do. Okay. Um, You've got your open week, but Memphis does not. Memphis has a big game. And I've called it the biggest game in Memphis since SMU and game day. NAAC championship game. Which was a week later, yeah, or maybe two weeks, a, a month later, yeah. But it, uh, that that is true. I, I hadn't thought about that, but I always think the SMU game was bigger. It and was because it propelled. It, into it got that. you into That's the right. championship game, yeah, and also it had game day here. It sure did, and lived up to it in eyes of the college football world. Squarely on Memphis that day, and Memphis performed in every way you can: civically, community, Bill Street, game day, the setting, and then the game that night. What really makes when you host game day? Is you win the game. Yeah. If you win the game, game day is really special. Well, it's like going to a bowl game. You can go to the Pinochle Bowl, and if you win it, it is great. You can go to the Sugar Bowl, and if you lose it, well, it was a nice time. I, I don't know about that. I, I'm going to say this. I think that was the most fun day because – all the people that were on Beale Street, it was crushing. And, and spread out from 8 in the morning until 11 at night. I know. I mean, it lasted forever. Mm-hmm. It was so charismatic, explosive, dramatic, whatever emphatic mm-hmm. term it was. you want to use. Just perfect. And, and then you won that game. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you something. That, to me, was bigger than any of the other, not the New Orleans Bowl. That was the best. That was maybe, in my mind, even better than the Cotton Bowl because you didn't win the Cotton Bowl. And it launched this 21st century of Tiger football success. Yeah. But that day was really, really cool. That's better than going to the Boca Bowl or the... Uh, the bowl they won last Name year in in the Responder Bowl in Dallas. I mean, if you're going... To the Birmingham. Sugar Bowl, or you're going to the Cotton Bowl, yeah. you're going to the Fiesta Bowl. That's one thing. That's different. Like, I didn't even care about losing the Cotton Bowl, honestly. Because it was so special. Because you got there, and look what you did to get there. Or you kissed the ground. And, you know, you competed in that bowl. Honestly, if, sure if, if Brady White doesn't fumble the football away, hey, nobody could have won the ball. Parsons, no, neither could the Dallas. No, and look at, <laughs> I always said that Micah Parsons, that performance was the best linebacker performance I'd ever seen from anybody other than Dick Butkus. I swear to you I said that. Zach is last week Zach compared Micah Parsons when we talked about the passing of Dick Butkus. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that briefly. Mm-hmm. He's that, just a that, game record. Yeah. Well, he he took over the game. I've never seen anything like that. And it turns out he's pretty darn good in <laughs> this the, one Friday's like the, the NFL. Um, I'm so sad about Dick Butkus. You know, but I think Dick Butkus had a pretty darn good life. 80, I know. 80 I, and die in your sleep. I'd sign up for it right now. I want a few more than 80 because I'm well, 70. You're a older than I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but remember, I, remember I think. We thought 40 was old. Oh, I know. God, that was a long time ago. And it was ago. unhip, uncool parents. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dick Butkus, though. Yeah, I ever tell you when I was a kid, I, I snuck in when they had this, we this new pregame show, mm-hmm. which was called Countdown to Kickoff. That was the first of the pregame shows. Yeah. It was before the studio shows. Most of it was taped. And, and so I snuck in, and they were doing it at Wrigley Field. And I'm watching practice, and Dick Buckus almost kills me. Comes over, and, he, and I'm a kid, yeah. right? Um, and... and you know, he laughs with me, and you know, I was sold forever. I was up, you know, my 
been going to Bear Games since I was six years old. 66, 67, give me a year. Somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. I'd say I'm 10 or 11 years old. And, and, and I was right last week, and I said, you lived within walking distance. Of oh, I did. Well, okay. we'd ride our bikes. Okay. We, I could have walked. Close yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, used to, yeah, to me, well, to, to me, the face of defense in the National Football League was uh, all butkus. But but there was another guy in the same division. Nitsky. Ray Nitschke. I said it. That was football, baby. That was football. But but you, unlike unlike Buckus, I don't know that Nitsky's own locker room feared him. Buckus's teammates didn't mess with him. Right. Nobody in the no. country would. He was the baddest man in the country. I know. And then he was like later in life a softy when he was doing. It's like Alex Karras, right? Uh-huh. Like Alex Karras was the same way in Marlon Detroit. Olson. Oh, yeah, Merlin Olsen. Became right. the, the floral guy. I know it. Could you imagine <laughs> him playing to get your floral bouquet. guy? Exactly. <laughs> Merlin, I'm the, you know what? Merlin Olsen and Madden, I think they're the two best all time when it comes to being analysts. I'm trying, I mean, really I love good. Chris Collinsworth. I do. But I'm not sure anybody was better than Merlin Olsen. Or John Madden. They those, were, those are the. They were really good. Too. Are you uh, nervous about Friday? Or you have a good feeling. I have a good feeling. I do too. Um, and I've seen Tulane. I, Tulane. I, I I have said, Dave, that you didn't see Michael Pratt. I did not see Michael Pratt, and I still think Tulane's the second best team. Ole Miss has played all year. The only better one better is Alabama, wow. and that includes LSU. And you know that hits to the quick with LSU fans. I know. Well, LSU. Great comeback, Jaden Daniels. We'll get to that uh, in 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 just a second. Um, you you mentioned the open week. So here is Ole Miss five and one. I had them eight and four in the preseason. I had them seven and five, two and one. So give me where they are in your mind right now at the halfway mark. Oh, c- celebration! Because uh, I think anybody would have signed up. For five and one, and after you move that LSU, the presumptive most people, I know there were a few, few red and blue partisans that maybe had ten and two preseason. I didn't share that. I, I thought there was a path to maybe nine, but but I, I, I fell in at seven and five with with losses to Alabama and LSU in this first six. So when you move that one, then you almost had to beat Arkansas, or it or it's a, a push. It's you, you, you really didn't gain anything. And the difference in the locker rooms in the two weeks and the celebrations afterwards, after LSU, was just pandemonium. I mean, it, it was just shy of the confetti cannon. I mean, it wasn't, but it, it was right. close to it. After Arkansas, and with open date looming, it was relief. Whoo, survive. We did. We, we got, got to all zeros and had more points than them. You know, go enjoy the open date. So... Let's look at what you got the rest of the year. At Auburn, Vandy, A&M at home, at Georgia. That's tough. Mm-hmm. Lou Monroe and State then, in five, yeah, yeah. In five uh, days. I mean, that looks to me like another five and one. Your, your one's Georgia? Yeah. Well, have got to take care of business. Auburn, since I've been on the Ole Miss crew, we've won once down there in 2015. They don't look to me like they... They have enough. Play Georgia to 27-20. Yeah, that's true. Now, and, if, and if Ole Miss you know takes care of the football. That's, in the old John Calipari lingo, that's the Super Bowl for Hugh Freeze. Well, it's it, it's a lot of Super Bowls for a lot of people. And, and it's almost a Super Bowl mentality every week, Dave, when I talk about it's win or die. I mean, you do. You you feel crestfallen. I'm not talking literally dying. I know there are things much more important out there in the world right now than than sports. But this is what we're talking about. But you have that feeling of of utter despair. And my, my Razorback friends are going through it right now, and they don't realize how close they are. They don't want to hear that. And the, the close doesn't count. We know, except for parallel parking and slow dancing at Junior High Cotillion. We know that. But the the Razorbacks, they're they're two and four could easily be four and two. Ole Miss is five and one. Late at Tulane could have gotten a lot different, right. and that's without Michael Pratt, obviously against LSU last week against Arkansas. A player two, they turn it over. Ole Miss doesn't. The last two weeks, Jackson Dart, a hundred and fifty eight offensive plays, zero turnovers. 
That's how you win when it's this narrow. And it is this narrow across the sport. I agree. All right. Odds on the Heisman. I looked them up today because I don't know who it was. It was an SEC writer that's now pushing Jaden Daniels. And look, I think Jaden Daniels. I'm there. He's, is, now I think they have terrific. to win out because there is, is a is winning it? quotient to winning the Heisman. No, I agree. 100%. Mean, which is really kind of unfair. It got D'Angelo. Oh, yeah. It got Troy Davis at Iowa State, rushed for 2,000 yards. Yeah, You're yeah. not winning the Heisman going 2 and 10. Because no, everybody wants a quarterback yeah. anyway. Yeah. Here's the thing for Jaden Daniels he's a dual quarterback, which I think is, mm-hmm. makes it even easier. It, it does. But we got Kayla Williams. Let's look at the odds. Kayla Williams. Michael Penix, uh, Quinn Ewers, Bo Nix. Three of the first four are all from the Pac-12. Crazy. Um, then Jordan Travis, who sold me in the LSU-Florida mm-hmm. State game. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Sam Hartman, who did not look so good no, it's this old. past week at Notre Dame. He's done. And then Jaden Daniels. No Brock Powers? The no. tight end at Georgia? No. If I had to vote today, I think I would vote Brock Bowers. I think second would be Jaden Daniels and third would be Caleb Williams. And and that's punishing Caleb Williams for winning it and for his defense. Well, he can't he can't be blamed for winning it and right. he doesn't play defense. Right. Well, it's hard to win it a second time. Only one has ever done it. Yeah, and and, and Dave, I'm afraid and I'm not are you I and I know you're not either. I'm afraid there are some old-timers and we are that just won't do it because they like the idea of Archie Griffin being the yeah. only one. And he is a swell fellow. Honestly, uh, he is. I, I, I think uh, that school is slowly dying out. Yeah, I think, it is. I think, it there, is. I think there's a chance for somebody to win it two in a row. If Caleb Williams goes undefeated, how do you not vote for him? Exactly. With, I can't, with rem- that, I can't with remember. That Swiss when do we, cheese do we have to get the vote in before the playoffs start? We have to get the vote in at the conclusion of championship games before the so playoffs, before, before the, the playoffs. bowls. Yes. Well, if he goes undefeated into it, It'll it be, it's going to be hard to unseat. We have to vote by Saturday, December the night. Uh, no, we have to vote on Sunday, December third, because the ceremony is the following week, the ninth. Going to be fun. It Just, is. Hey, the best part is. We're really barely halfway through the college. Not even halfway and, through and the Steve college. Steve Earhart was so right. The the TV numbers are unimaginably good. Just yeah. every every game, the ratings. In the last Saturday, Red River Shootout was was, oh, was like a Hollywood production. Well, that's why the, the drone blimp shots. Cecil B. DeMille couldn't have choreographed that. I just hope they don't limit it to twenty eight teams in the next ten years. I hope they keep it open for everybody. That's I do all too. I can say. But it's changing. Oh, I know. Thank you, my friend. Thank we you, appreciate Dad. it. You got it, man. That is Brett Norsworthy. We got to take a break. When we come back, more on the SEC with an SEC historian as well. That would be Ron Higgins. He is in Baton Rouge, and he's next. We are real sports talk. Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. I forgot to mention earlier, Grizz winners over Milwaukee last night. So they're 2-0 in the exhibition season. Uh, Now, Milwaukee didn't play Giannis or Middleton. Then again, the Grizz didn't play Marcus Smart or Steven Adams. But Bain was pretty good, 21 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, uh, Triple J 17-5 and five with 3 blocks. Team had 11 blocks. That's pretty good. Um, and there's still no word from Taylor Jenkins yet who will be the fifth starter. Now, we know who will be the fifth starter when John Morant comes back because then you'll have a little smaller lineup. But right now, who will be the small forward? Williams? Williams? Uh, Santi Aldama, could it be Jake LaRavia? Could you play Luke Kennard there? A lot of decisions for Mr. Jenkins to make. It'll be fun. I guess they play in a couple of days in Atlanta, another exhibition game. It'll be fun to see. In the meantime, we go down to Baton Rouge and talk with 
our friend and SEC historian Ron Higgins and uh, LSU made quite the comeback uh, the other day against Missouri, Jaden Daniels. Now they're talking about him and Stats Norris with you just a little earlier ago, and we're both voters in the Heisman. Um, and I, I have the Heisman vote, uh, thanks to you, by the way. Um, I, 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 I'm not sure I have him quite there yet, but uh, he's now in the conversation. Is he that good a quarterback, Ron Higgins? Uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, he deserves to be in the conversation. Uh, uh, he's ranked in the top uh, five in the nation. Actually, the top three in the nation in five different categories offensively. Uh, he's he uh, he basically these last two games have kept. I mean, the Missouri game basically won by himself, even though he was hurt. Uh, LSU's defense has been so awful that its offense has had to be astronomically good. LSU is ranked in the top 10 statistically in six uh, offensive categories because of him. Uh, and uh, He's a great dual-threat quarterback. I don't know uh, how that will translate into the pros. Uh, we've seen quarterbacks like that kind of struggle. I mean, Bryce Young kind of struggling this year. Uh, I don't know how it translates to the pros, but for this year, uh, Jay Daniels was playing some uh, really great football. Uh, you know, I mean, he's in the conversation to be among the best LSU quarterbacks ever, for sure. Um, this race in the West, and I think the East, even though Georgia's facing, let's see, they got Kentucky, Florida, Missouri, all with only one loss, and Tennessee only with one loss. They look like they're in control. The West looks to be wide open. Alabama is the only undefeated team uh, in the league at 3-0 and in their division. Um, here's LSU and Ole Miss and A&M, uh, all with one loss at pretty much the halfway mark. How do you see this winding down? I think it's a, it's a free-for-all, honestly. I mean, uh, I mean, these teams, I mean, LSU has to play Alabama in uh, A&M. LSU's schedule is favorable. It's got its last five or six at home. It helps LSU. Uh, you know, a Yeah, but one uh, of those is at Alabama. Right. And the one at Alabama where they, uh, uh, two years ago, they almost won. And the, and the, the four years ago, they, um, they won. They don't, uh, Alabama, they're good, but they're not to the point where you fear them anymore. I don't think there's a fear about playing Alabama like there used to be. Would you fear Georgia? <laughs> Did Georgia take that spot? Yeah, I say so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that, that there's not a fear playing Alabama anymore, and I think that, that that's kind of like uh, I mean, Alabama has to, to fight for its wins, and in Houston they didn't have to fight for the wins; they would just they would just wear people out. Uh, and I just think uh, you know, A and M. This, defensively, they're good. I mean, their quarterback is, is Max Johnson, LSU's former starter. Right. Uh, and, and they need to keep him healthy. Max has a tendency to try to take on too many tacklers a lot of times, and he's not built that way. Uh, you know, again, I think it's, I think it's, an uh, Ole Miss, you cannot, can't Ole Miss out. I mean, Ole Miss beat LSU. Uh, their offense can be fantastic. Their defense is okay, not great. Uh, you know, Ole Miss, uh, they hold a, certainly they hold a tiebreaker over LSU, but not Alabama. Uh, this is, this is going to come down to tiebreakers. I, I really feel that. I really feel this will come down to tiebreakers. I mean, uh, Ole Miss has, uh, see, I got Auburn, Auburn left there right. at Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, at Arkansas. No, they, they, they play Arkansas already. I can't remember they all played for Arkansas. We got Auburn, South Carolina. They, they got A and M. They got they got. I mean, they can't afford to lose one more game either. And I feel like going to A and M on the tenth uh, will be tough. I just think when you get into November, uh, and this goes for LSU too. I mean, last year, uh, you know, they lost to A and M last game of the year. Didn't play well Arkansas because I mean, Daniels really got worn out and. and Worn down from running and taking on too many tacklers. Uh, the teams with the best depth win usually win the division. Uh, LSU fortunately had wrapped the division 
with the win over Arkansas, and so they didn't need the A and M win. Uh, a and M game, they lost it. Uh, they wanted to win it, but they lost it. They weren't trying to win it. But teams with the best depth usually, once you get into November, you're you're kind of on fumes, and you really have to have depth to kind of wrap up a title. And so we'll see which team has that. Well, if I look, Alabama's got to lose, right, for for uh, any of these teams to catch them. And they, they, they got, a, 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 I think, a tough schedule here because they play Arkansas at home this week. Okay, they're favored heavily in that game. Then they got to play Tennessee. That's at home. That'll be a heck of a game, traditional. Then they're off. Then they play you guys. Then they have to go to Kentucky, which can absolutely be difficult. Then they got Chattanooga. That's a W. Then they go to the Iron Bowl. So there could be a loss in there for sure. That's not an easy schedule like yours. You've got Auburn at home, big favorites in that. Then you got Army. Then you got your off week. Then at Alabama, that could be your, you know, your 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 big chance for the end. Then Florida, Georgia State, and you end up with a uh, And M at all at home, as you said, that favors you. But you you know, you you had you could have your own fate in your own hands when you play Alabama on November the fourth. Yeah, I mean everybody's got a I mean, everybody's got a challenge everywhere. Okay, all the rest of you. I mean, like Ole, Ole Miss has an A and M and Georgia. Okay, so <laughs> thank you. You know, I mean, a and M. You know, they play at Tennessee this week. That ain't easy. You know, but that's that's their biggest roadblock besides playing LSU in the end. Uh, Alabama's got Tennessee and LSU. Everybody's got a roadblock. I mean, you, you're going to have to earn this, this this division. You usually usually do. You have to earn it. Uh, All right. So let me not- let me ask you this. Here's what Georgia has left: at Vandy, off week, Florida, Missouri. Ole Miss at home. All those are at home, buddy. Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss at home. At Tennessee, at Georgia Tech. Do they lose a the game? Tennessee's the only roadblock, honestly. I mean, and, and right now I'd say Georgia wins that game because I said, um, I mean, for better or for worse, I think Georgia's quarterback is simply better than Joe Milton. I mean, Joe Milton's physically more talented, but uh, we'll find out a lot about Tennessee this weekend. I mean, I mean, we will find out a lot about Tennessee this weekend. Uh, you know, playing A and M. That that I mean, again. I mean, I can't remember the last time Tennessee played A and M because they're both in different divisions, so they hardly ever played each right. other. Uh, so we will find out a lot about Tennessee this weekend. Uh, uh, that to me, that's the that's the best game this weekend. A lot. I agree I'm, with I'm, you. A and M at Tennessee is the best game in the SEC this weekend, hands down, no doubt. Oh no, no, easy, no doubt about it. So I'm. I'm I'm really kind of fascinated to watch that game, see how it plays out. Uh, you know, both teams need to win for sure. Uh, they can't afford losses to stay in their in their division races. Uh, you know, this is uh, the last year division, so this is the last year we have to worry about division races. It's a, it's a free for all next year, but yeah. <laughs> until then. Until then, it's still division racing. And I think it's a free-for-all from here on out. Ron Higgins, as always, we appreciate you so much. Thank you, and we'll do it again next week. All right. Take care, Bolo. That's you. our man down in Baton Rouge, Ron Higgins. That'll do it for us, John. Harden comes your way in just a couple of minutes. So good to be back home. Can't wait until Friday. But you know what? We'll see you tomorrow morning. Johnny's next.